Okay, good morning. Thanks for being here. Welcome back. Today will be class 8 in the series on the Veiled Mind. And this is March 9, 2022. Uh, it's very quiet here, <laughs> where I am, for some reason. There's no uh, uh, jackhammer, buzzsaw, leaf blower, metal cutting devices. So that's nice. Uh, one would think it would be peaceful in the world, but uh, it's peaceful a little bit. I hope people are um, mm, reinforcing the <laughs> commitment to emotional balance, um, despite, you know, in the midst of such very volatile global conditions of war and um, hysterical information and... Um, uh, anger and assertions and counter-assertions. So it's really important to um, reaffirm how valuable balance, emotional balance is, and that means getting questions answered and accepting what we can't know and um, relying on uh, that which we know we can depend on for well-being and peace of mind and a quiet, quiet heart relationships and study and rest and exercise and meditation and entertainment and uh, sleep and eating well, dot, dot, dot. So anyway, today I want to possibly end the series or get to, or getting close to the end uh, in doc, talking about the 3D Veiled Mind as a summary here. Uh, it's pretty clear from the start, if you've been listening to the series and Ra's discussion of that veiled mind, that the completion of the unveiling doesn't occur in third density. The inception of the veil is in the human third density experience. Uh, properly, the final unveiling, it seems, occurs in sixth density with the ending of identity which is mentally constructed, conditional, relative, subjective, separative sense of self. The ego-related, it's beyond the notion of ego, but uh, what Buddhists call the self-conceit. And while Advaita Vedanta uh, talks of the path as beginning with self-realization, um, through, in the case of Ramana Maharshi or Nisargadatta and other Advaita Vedanta teachers, practice of aham vichar, self-inquiry or I-inquiry, coming to self-realization or I-realization, which is realization of uh, the nature of um, self or I as distinct from body-mind, the one that uses body-mind, this is very much associated with understanding true nature, but is not the end of the path, but seems to be of sixth density, higher self, Atman, so the union of Jiva and Atman, Jivatman, as the first realization on the path, as spoken in uh, Advaita Vedanta. And then one realizes once, once there's self-realization, there's the realization of the identity or unity of self and Godhead or Source, 
but the veil that really i it seems is only fully lifted at the end of sixth density with the dropping of memory and identity is self-conceit and self-conceit as the eighth fetter in buddhism is really kretanamanas or craving based um measured and a relative dualistic sense of self separative self raw talking about their experience the awareness of self the type of self awareness in sixth density they said unified self consciousness which implies that before sixth density there's non unified self consciousness which means dualistic self consciousness or separative self consciousness and separative self consciousness or dualistic self consciousness or subjectivity that indicates i'm here and you're there subject object based sense of self is what is established by the veil so the veil is actually separative identity and it's inevitable that before the veil there's some sense of separation even awareness of unity is not complete and perfect enlightenment so raw in sixth density we become light that's not the end of the path that's just sixth density that's not yet finishing the stage of atman it's not paramatman or beyond atman as advaita vedanta says it's not yet absolute freedom from self conceit there's still a sense of self which means still a sense of subject object or subjectivism and so raw talking about the veil saying that it's an extension of the law of free will down into a, a sort of derivative or extending the law of free will to third density in a certain way that hadn't been done before the veil that <clears throat> that extension of the law of free will by the law of free will there's light the action of will upon you know the origin of light the action of free will upon love ra said so uh, godhead logoic or one infinite creator infinite will acts on infinite love or enabling to generate light by that light uh we have consciousness or subjectivity or the fashioning of an identity veil or no veil when there's a veil then you have a thickening of or a hardening of that identity the sense of selfhood <clears throat> and so uh there are a couple of quotes uh that I I'm going to bring some quotes from the page loveone.info on the veil the um search loveone results uh, for the word veil that explain that and you see what what happened with the veil what was before the conditions like some aspect of conditions before the veil and after the veil to understand more fully the nature of the veil which is very much the nature of the spiritual path because the spiritual path essentially is movement from of a self-conscious being from third density human to finishing sixth density um unified self-consciousness so subjective identity starts in 3D and ends in the end at the end of sixth density uh and that's very much associated with you know what i looked into as the logoic issues with third ray and so 
uh, let me just get into that higher <laughs> cosmic metaphysics before I go to the quotes, before I go to egocentric bias and then try to wrap up. So I had said before that uh, the logo seems to have an issue with third ray. So you've got light, you know, let there be light, action of free will upon love, action of infinite uh, will, omnipotence, on infinite love, omniscience, giving light, which gives which can be omnipresent, third principle light, coming out of first, second principle, will and love are enabling. Um, that light gives rise to the seven rays. The seven rays are the ontological basis, the essential nature of densities and chakras. So cosmic pl- soul evolution and the cosmic plan. Beings of seven densities, of, I'm sorry, beings of seven chakras do soul evolution in octaves of seven densities. With all, and both of those sevens, the seven chakras and the seven densities, are a derivative of the seven rays, which are derivative of light, which is the way light naturally structures. Light naturally structures, so it seems, into the chromatism, chromatic scale of what we call seven colors, seven rays. That then, uh, so as to uh, make a cosmic plan for uh, of souls doing soul evolution, uh, gives rise to densities, and that then um, gives rise to self-conscious beingnesses called beings, mind, body, spirit, beingness, totality, complexes, complices, or being seven-dimensional octavic selves, beings, doing soul evolution in that seven-dimensional setup. So the seven-dimensional setup is the structure. Seven-chakra-based beingnesses or beings, they really are beingnesses who imagine themselves to be a being. That's what identity is. Identity is the reification of beingness. You can take that to the bank. Identity is the reification of beingness into a sense of being a substantive being. I'm a me, not I have a sense of self. I'm a self, not I have a sense of self. I am a self. I am me, not I have a sense of self. Or there is here in this mind a sense of self. I'm a me. That is a reification of beingness to being, to the sense that that beingness is a substantive being. Anyway, that apparently substantive being of seven chakras does soul evolution in the seven densities of the octaves, whereby those seven chakra beingnesses or beings uh, experiencing apparent, you know, substantial light with their seven chakras do seven-dimensional evolution, particularly consciously <clears throat> three through six. Consciously three through six is the dimensions in which um, apparent beings do apparently sequential soul evolution in an apparent substantial time-space environment of dimensional dimensionalities, three, four, five, six. Leaving six, uh, looking backwards is finished. The whole seven-dimensional schema is increasingly seen as empty and illusory. And so, but you've got the function of beings with seven chakras in the structure of uh, time and space of seven dimensions and dimensionalities, densities, born of the seven rays. So you've got chakras and densities and uh, rays. 
the issue of the logos with his his and her or its own third ray is the issues of soul evolution in third density, which is before the veil they didn't make great effort. After the veil, at least here, which is an outlier, yes, here is an outlier. Here, with the intensity of the veil by the invested ape bodies and the uh, manu- manipulated uh, generation of opposable thumb, we have highly intense, very intense veiling. And the this outlier, 3D civilization, gives the Logoi an outlier experience, or the experience of an outlier, whereby 3D beings, heavily veiled, are heavily distorted. And uh, me talking to a client this week came up with the the epithet for humanity, the masters of distortion. Humanity, Earth humanity, these three dear Peters, this is the planet of the masters of distortion. We are the masters of distortion. Yes, definitely, no doubt, under the heavy, under heavy veiling, as uh, seven chakra beingnesses, beings, trying to continue soul evolution in a seven-dimensional uh, time-space environment of light, uh, in accord with the generation of seven rays of light, seven rays, frequencies, colors of light. The Logoi here now are experiencing just what happens with such intensity availing that beings are going to be stuck in 3D for a long time. So too much failing, beings are stuck in 3D. Not enough failing, beings by their own lack of motivation also seem to stay stuck in 3D. Okay. Um, the issue is that third density is where self-conscious separative identity starts. Self-conscious separative identity, separative meaning the sense of me and you, this and that. Dualistic separative sense of self identity starts in third density. And while its basis for us in third density is second chakra blockage, its maintenance is by third chakra blockage ego, so-called. Ra saying that ego... This concept is unworkable. Understanding cannot come from it. This is, again, uh, a bank shot. Bank, Take it to the bank. Anybody who talks about ego, ego, apparently believing or believing apparently that it's a substantive, substantial real thing, you can address them and say that uh, I find that concept unworkable and understanding cannot come from it. And they'll say, huh? And you can smile and kiss them on the forehead. And so, uh, second chakra blockage regarding sense of self for 3D humans, humans, beings in third density, the beginning of self-consciousness, those second chakra blockages are maintained by third chakra blockages called ego. And that's where we have cognitive biases. And that's where we have the whole realm of defense mechanisms. Defense mechanisms are unconscious egocentric biases. Egocentric biases are conscious and cognitive mistaken assessments based on unrecognized presumptions, assumptions, all of which serve to strengthen the sense of me. Me as special, as good, as best, as better, as only, as right, as true, as important, coming out of a low sense of self. (laughs) Now, self is important, or uh, we should value ourselves. But wrongly valuing is called bias, based on presumptions, assumptions. And so that's third chakra blockage. 
So loving yourself and valuing yourself rightly includes I know my strengths and weaknesses. And I also see when uh, I've been mistaken. And I also see when my thinking is wrong. And I know that um, sometimes you're right, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes, you know, even when I'm right, uh, some part of what you say is also right. Or others are better at certain things than I am. And I have my weaknesses and distortions and imbalances and blockages and faults and blind spots and rightful points of regret and remorse and guilt and shame. But that doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. There are strengths or something I can feel proud of also. Fine, 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 fine. That's unbiased. So uh, identity, self-conscious identity starts in third density, veil or no veil. Ends in sixth density it seems, veil or no veil. The logoic issue with its own third ray as manifest by the evolutionary stasis of 3D beings unveiled, 3D beings unveiled, unveiled 3D beings, not making much effort, is similar to the logoic issue of uh, this degree of veiling we see here on planet Earth leading to another stasis of 3D souls not being able to get out of their density, repeating in, indefinitely, as well as now being parasitized by clever Orion to seek to permanently sever them from higher self and keep and move them towards animal reanimalization. Uh, that's what you get when you veil too much, and when you don't veil enough or you don't veil at all, you have beings who are chilling indefinitely in third density quite well. So the logo issue of third ray is the issue of identity that has to start in third density, <clears throat> but in third density is essentially based in second ray blockage, second chakra blockage, reinforced, maintained by third. And one of the keys to working on, there are two ways of resolving second chakra blockage. One is by uh, five, five unblocking three, and the other one is four unblocking two. You can love your pain, unconditionally accept, and be kind and uh, self-loving, self-comforting, while you honestly feel your pain, emotional pain, distress. That's four, love, touching, two, blockage. Then there's also five on three, which is <clears throat> clarify your biases. <clears throat> when you're wrong, admit it. Be honest. So be loving is four, be honest is five. Loving, unconditionally accepting, non-control, non-manipulation. Feel the pain. Comfort yourself and accept it, what it is. Don't manipulate and be here now. Be present for yourself, be present for others, for the experience of emotional pain or distress or dukkha of any sort. That's for healing too. <clears throat> and correct yourself and be honest and don't be a liar and don't fake out. Don't try to keep faking yourself, right? no fuckery, green ray, is also five on two, or five on three, meaning commitment to honesty, wisdom, knowing self and expressing self honestly helps resolve third chakra blockage, which helps resolve second chakra blockage, which leads us to greater well-being <clears throat> and greater freedom, greater feeling of love and clarity. Love fourth ray and clarity fifth ray. That's the work. So here's some quotes from Ra on the veil uh, <clears throat> from the Law of One search results just to uh, reinforce some of these points. 
Session 105, question 17. Just uh, I'll pick and choose here. Ross said, The anger of separation is impossible without the veil. The dis- dot, dot, dot. <clears throat> the decision to contemplate perfection in discipline is quite improbable without the veil. So anger of separation, anger is separative to the extent that we're stuck in anger we are furthering separation, um, oppositionalism. Anger is oppositional. Uh, anger, as an oppositional tendency, um, increases separation. Below anger normally is grief and sorrow. When we drop or move, or release some anger and find the underlying grief and sorrow, there's less separativeness, and it's much... Um, much more of a the willingness to feel sorrow heals the basis of triggering to anger triggering to anger means we still don't want to feel sorrow feeling sorrow means we don't need anger willing to feel sorrow and grief and sadness willing to cry willing to feel bad willing to feel rightful guilt and regret not beat myself up guilt and regret but rightful yes i did that yes i didn't do that yes i feel bad about it I feel guilty, I feel shame. That's all. Not I hate myself, I'm a schmuck. But yes, I, ro- I, I did wrong action or I neglected and did omission of what I should have done. Somebody got hurt, I got hurt, circumstances went bad, I feel bad. That's rightful guilt and shame. Uh, that, a, lo- a willingness to feel sorrow of such or any sorrow of grief and loss is itself dissolving the roots of anger. There's no need for anger when you're willing to feel grief. Um, Now, there's righteous anger too. That's another story. Okay, fine, fine, fine. We can all say that, you know, one statement can never explain 360 degrees of of an issue. But aside from when when anger is very useful, of course, they're stuck in anger. And that is normally because one's unwilling to feel sorrow. So anger of separation, impossible without the veil. When they weren't veiled, they didn't have anger. Decision to contemplate perfection and discipline is quite improbable without the veil. So before the veil, likewise, they didn't have a, they didn't contemplate perfection and discipline. Now we can. Hey, hey, contemplate perfection and discipline. Well, perfection and discipline means the need to uh, discipline oneself to right action right speech, uh, particularly right action, right speech, the need for the discipline of spiritual practice like meditation, the need to discipline the mind towards concentration, clarity, rather than just monkey-mindedness jumping endlessly. Um, That wasn't apparent, that wasn't present before the veil, and those are considered quite valuable um, endeavors that are associated with uh, seeking to improve perfection of discipline after the veil. Uh, 83.18, Ross saying, the penetration of the veil may be seen to have its roots in the gestation of green reactivity, that all-compassionate love which demands no return. If this path is followed, meaning positive path based in green ray, the higher energy centers, 5.6.7, shall be activated and crystallized until the adept is born. The adept is um, Atmanic, either higher self, sixth density, and or... It's basically 
steady and stable access to higher self's extensity in third density. It's a third density human being who is working from relatively crystallized green, blue, and therefore steady love wisdom and has magical ability or some awakening of spirit complex, six chakra, and thus spiritual awareness and can do, uh, is using intelligent energy for their service and their continued development. And that may include some magical or just the, the magicality of awareness of unity. So then if the path is followed, higher energy centers shall be activated beyond green and crystallized until the adept is born. Within the adept is the potential for dismantling the veil to a greater or lesser extent that all may be seen again as one. The other self is primary catalyst in this particular path to the piercing of the veil, if you would call it that. So piercing of the veil is just one way of calling the path uh, from third density out of six, from three to six and out of six, three to six and six to eight. You can say it's unveiling, piercing the veil taking the veil off, whatever. It's basically returning to unity, but actually beyond that. You see, Ra doesn't understand what's beyond unity. Because they're not beyond unity. How dare you say you know more than Ra? No, I didn't say that. I'm saying they don't speak of what's beyond unity. Maybe they know, but they don't speak of it. But they're not there finished. Um, there is something called freedom from identity and memory they haven't yet experienced. But they have a sense of what it is, and so do I. And so do you, maybe. And that's basically, you know, <laughs> such it, beyond uh, personalism, beyond subject-object dualism, beyond perception, beyond the arising of perception and subjectivist consciousness, beyond the arising of perception without subjectivity is beyond ego, beyond self and self-realization, beyond identity, beyond memory, beyond any um, perception of light. Now, that doesn't mean whack in the head, no perception of light. <clears throat> it means um, fully at one with the source of light, prior to light, returning to Paramatman. Sure, I'm not there either. But um, the you can say that, you know, yeah, dismantling the veil, piercing the veil, lifting the veil is um, freedom from subjectivist identity in which one then sees all as one. But actually, subjective, uh, self-conscious, unified self-consciousness is still identity. So they, they can see all as one. We become light. But that's not yet freedom from identity. So you can pierce the veil or lift the veil or be free of the veil and see all as one but there's still identity. And and that is where they're heading, to freedom from identity. Particularly the freedom of identity associated with seeing all as one. All as one, based on a perception of a subjective consciousness, meaning a remnant sense of identity, that is perceiving all is light, I is light, we become light. Hmm. So the identity of unity must be dropped. But veil, dropping the veil, you can say, is really dropping the, the identity associated with duality. Uh, returning to identity associated with unity is akin to dropping the veil. But that's not the end of the path. 
And so, uh, but yeah, the penetration of veil, dropping veil, piercing veil, has uh, maybe seen to maybe seen to begin to have its roots, the roots of freedom, or freedom from dualistic identity, um, subjectivist subjectivism, is uh, green ray activity is heart chakra. So three to four, right? The purpose of third density is to learn the ways of love. And you know, it's so shocking. Nobody knows that. <laughs> Only people who've read the raw material carefully know that. I mean, there are some who do, uh, but but outside the raw material, you know, like Chong Tzu said, or Lao Tzu said, very few outside Tao have, have happiness. Very few outside the raw material have accurate metaphysics and cosmology. The Buddhists do, for sure, and many Advaita Vedanta does, but they're stuck with other things and don't realize. <clears throat> they're, I mean, I just heard somebody talking, Doug Casey, interviewed in Uruguay about a friend of his who was a friend of Alan Watts, right? Alan Watts, the Buddhist, good guy. And uh, the story goes, Doug Casey asked his friend who was a close friend of Alan Watts, did Alan Watts know about, you know, what happens after death and where are we going? And he said, no, the the friend to Doug Casey, relayed by the story of Doug Casey is, oh no, no, Alan Watts didn't know what was happening after death. He didn't know, he he was drinking a lot, he was this, that, he had da, da, da. So even that guy, and that's very common. Alan Watts is a good guy, a Buddhist. You know, early, uh, you know, Dave, Gary Snyder, Alan Watts, Ginsburg, all the beatniks, Kerouac, all the. Some of them were into Zen Buddhism, and some of the Buddhists in the West have no deeper understanding of Buddhist metaphysics than they do. Um, even D.T. Suzuki had some questionable matters, or I think he's questionable. Even Shinryo Suzuki, uh, beginner Zen mind, beginner's mind, I think, uh, never claimed to have attainment or never claimed uh, Kensho or something, never claimed to be finished. So there are very few people who have certainty about what happens after death, including Buddhists, including Advaita Vedanta students or yogis. There are very few people who understand, you know, I is as I is, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, first time here and then I'll be there. And uh, as far as I can tell, uh, No Solar is right on. Chico Javier was right. No doubt. That's it. It looks like that. Something like that. You know, it's not too far from that. For some, it is like that. There are very few people who, I mean, I think I'm right. But I think it's not I'm right. I can say I'm right. I can also say this is right. This is right. And I love what's right. And I think this is right. So this is what I believe. And if you believe that, likewise, well, good for you. <laughs> in, in some ways, it doesn't make us good or bad to believe what's true or think what we believe is true. But we should have, you know, who ought to have a strong commitment to knowing what's true. Then we can, ex- we can acknowledge when I'm wrong or when my views are here are wrong. The views I'm speaking now are imperfect. Incomplete, no doubt. Um, but I think in general, uh, what the raw material offers in terms of the metaphysics of uh, interdimensional experience and afterlife and Chico Javier in spiritist tradition is generally quite correct. And there are many sources that echo that those perspectives, of course. But many Buddhists don't know. And many Hindus and yogis don't know. And many ordinary folks who are goodly and kindly 
and want freedom and happiness don't know. And they generally don't even know. They don't know because they don't really even care to know. So they don't even care to think and think, contemplate that they don't know. And whether it's important or not, they don't think it's important. They don't think that knowing what's beyond this life is important to the living of this life. All right, fine. But actually, <laughs> uh, so much greater well-being can come from such contemplation. The purpose of life. What is the meaning of life, the purpose of life? <coughs> it really presumes that that um, we that, that, that this experience is of a continuum. Before birth, after death, the pre-birth and the afterlife. And uh, by that, or in association with that, there's a reason that for this for this experience now in the continuum of before birth and after death. And now, to say a reason is also a presumption. How about several reasons, or many reasons, or countless reasons, or levels of reason, motivation, purpose? The reason. What's the reason for living? What's the purpose for living? What's the meaning of life? All the same. The meaning. Well, there's personal meaning, and then there's universal meaning. There's personal meaning and universal purpose. The meaning of life. Well, whatever the hell you want. You know, life is for uh, putting on makeup and looking fabulous. Okay, that's what the meaning of life is to you. Or the meaning of life uh, is to accord with the purpose of life. Mm -hmm. The meaning of life is whatever you want it to be. The purpose of life, however, is what you personally, a person personally attributes or, you know, deems their own sense of purpose, personal sense of purpose, but then there's also the issue of universal. Why are we here in the continuum of pre-birth and after death? Well, that, that presumes that there's a greater universal ontological or cosmological purpose. And I think that's true. There is. And that's called soul evolution <laughs> and the cosmic plan. But nearly nobody knows that, even Buddhists. Even uh, students of Advaita Vedanta don't know that. Many, many. Because they... They sort of don't want to go there. It's very odd to me. But uh, the raw material is a tremendous gift, and Chico Javier is a tremendous gift, and it sort of um, gives a cosmological framework, a multidimensional, interdimensional, time-space map of uh, within which we can find, within which we can better understand the human experience. This is not muchly found in Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta. It's probably, it's there. There is a cosmology. But they're not normally talking about it. The raw material, it's front and center. Cosmology. And uh, spiritism, too. And they're very complementary. And to then further understanding of purpose and path and work from Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta is extremely helpful. And then philosophical perspectives of Taoism, of course, and some other fellows, Heraclitus, who's a cosmologist as well. Very, very helpful. And so it's a great gift if you can appreciate it, but very few can, so be it. But there are lots and lots and lots of people that I've seen in the sanghas, in the ashrams, in um, the universities who study Eastern religion 
and don't come away with any understanding of um, a universal purpose of life or at least a, the cosmology of the continuum before birth and after death. It's very, very important. And it's totally knowable. Totally can be done. So, other co- quotes from Ra. Uh, important thing. Um, so, again, that point that the complete six, the, the, um, the, the work of mind and its transformation, this is from uh, 100, session 100.7. The work of mind and its transformation involves progressive lifting of the great veil betwixt conscious and deep minds. <clears throat> the complete success of this attempt is not properly a portion of third-density work, and more especially third-density mental processes. So it's not normally going to be finished here. Uh, the, there's a certain line somewhere uh, in an earlier point that the the great um, the the great work of the veil is to know that which is unknown. There's some quote that they said something like that. Uh, this is very important matter that um, what is the, the the way of lifting the veil is uh, seeking to know what I don't know. Seeking to discover what hasn't been discovered, and uh, let me just find this if I can. Uh, yeah, can't find it exactly, but. Uh, the the basis of um, piercing the veil, lifting the veil, and it's very much of green ray activation, is a seeking. Seeking what? Seeking to know what you don't know. Seeking to discover what you have a sense is, but is not has not yet been found. This is a very subtle matter. Seek and you shall find. Yeah. But why why seek? Well, the people that seek have a sense that there's something valuable to be found. And they have a faith or a sense that by what seems to be this seeking, I can find something that is valuable. It is, and it is valuable. There is something valuable more than I know, knowing Greater knowing is possible. Greater knowing is valuable. Greater knowing helps me and will help me, is good for me. This is a a sort of knowing as basis of seeking. And knowing the unknown, um, you know, is the way of ever evolving. Uh, Today, (laughs) distortions uh, amidst us, around, everywhere... Many, many people believe they have already fully found. Thus, they don't, there's nothing more for them to know, or they think they know. Know it all. Mr. Know it all. Hey, Mr. Know it all. The know it all 
um, becomes dogmatic. The dogmatic, rigid, intolerant are those that believe their knowing is complete, whole, and perfect. They believe that what can be known has now been known. It's finished. I know you're bad. I know it's true. I know I'm right. That's all. Now, sometimes that knowing is correct, of course. Um, But there's a presumption. Uh, And there's commonly the the sense that uh, further knowing... There's the right and wrong (laughs) recognition that further knowing is valuable or possible. You see, when you really get into this, um, it's very actually quite important, or the roots of why people keep learning and growing and some do not. Most do not. Why do they do not? And when we are not, why is it we're not learning, growing? Why? Generally, we either don't know there's something to be found, or we don't think there, we know there is, but we don't value it, or we're scared of it. Right? I don't want to hear bad things about myself as a basis for not going to therapy. I know there are things to be found. I don't want to find them because I'm going to feel bad. Or, there are no things to be found. I know it all. My knowing is complete. So, it's a sort of uh, avoidance of further knowing by a denial that there is anything more to know. I know it all. My uh, perspective is completed and perfect. Or a recognition there is something there to be known that I don't know, but I don't want to know it, or I can't know it, I'm too stupid, he's an expert, they know, they're the professional, I don't know, I'm just an ordinary person. So a sense of inability, a belief in one's inability to know, or an active desire not to know, I don't want to know it, don't tell me, I don't want to believe it, (laughs) I don't want to believe it, say the 3D repeaters, endlessly, or... Much of the truth, where there's truth that they actively reject, it's because they don't want to believe it or know. And that's a big problem. And that's all out of second rate blockage. And so then there's the 2 5 connection, you know, honesty as a function of, of self esteem, the degree to which one has a rightful self appreciation, self regard, rightful self regard, meaning I know my strengths and weaknesses, more or less. And if that idea is wrong it doesn't uh, it doesn't lead to a conviction uh, that i am wrong I, I i'm wrong actually is the belief is wrong so there's a distinction between me and my ideas <clears throat> people who cannot make that cannot um, change their view <laughs> because then they think i'm wrong i'm bad no they don't realize no that idea is wrong and therefore, bad if you're seeking truth. If you want the truth, wrong understanding is bad. It's not really universally bad, but if you want the truth, it's probably not helpful to uh, believe, continue believing lies or untruths. But it's not really bad, but it doesn't mean you're bad or you're wrong. The ideas are mistaken or incomplete <clears throat> or painful. The truth can be painful. Uh, the belief um, may be something you don't like. The belief in the truth. But it is what it is. And so, <clears throat> and then there's this old nihilistic view that nobody can know anything or everybody's opinion is simply belief and there's no objective truths ever to be discovered. That's yet another way of not seeking for many. 
who are in that mindset. So, you know, uh, what we see in this Earth humanity, for those of us who are uh, just visiting, as they say, uh, is the far end of veiling, uh, intensive veiling, with a heavy uh, mix of um, damaged, wounded souls. <clears throat> from Mars and Maldek, heavily infiltrated by Orion. So you've got a somewhat significant percentage of the 3D population being negatively oriented. Maybe 20%, maybe 25%, I don't know. Maybe 20%, I don't know. Maybe a quarter, I don't know. It's hard to say. People have more power, they show their colors. With less power, you don't quite know. Or I don't know. So... Uh, at least 10 or 20%, it seems, of humanity is negatively oriented at base. And then you're heavily veiled in the monkey bodies, ape bodies with the opposable thumb. Then you've got a dozen or so planets uh, having uh, their emigres here. And uh, then you have the history of the solar system with Maldek and Mars. Uh, atrocities and debacles come in here. So, this is what you see at the far end of veiling, and, um, uh, you know, uh, hard luck, hard, <laughs> hard luck community. <laughs> this is what it looks like to be born with two strikes against you. So, <laughs> born on Earth, uh, doomed to trouble. And that's just because of the setup here by the Logoi, the Logos, the Logoi. So what we see here at the far end of this experiment is yet another example of 3D souls um, having trouble leaving their density. Identity is a bitch, man. And so the animals may be carefree in Eden, but once they eat the tree, eat the apple, and have a sense of separative identity in third density, and a sense that there can be choice, therefore right and wrong, good, bad, this, that, light, dark, true, false, uh, then identity is a heavy burden. And only very careful tweaking of the veil will lead to a high uh, harvest rate. So the Lokai are just playing around, you know. <laughs> Let's uh, tweak the veil to this degree, uh, moder mitigate, moderate, modify the porosity of the veil or the curtaining of conscious from subconscious or all mind, um, the, the shroud of mind, the, the shroud or veil surrounding the, the, the field of uh, Chittakash or <laughs> Manasakash, really, Vijnanakash, the field or space or sky of Vijnana, subjective as consciousness, is somewhat modified, um, tweaked by the Logoi, thus is a veiling or a limit to what consciousness can easily uh, apperceive uh, or you know, per perceive, apprehend. Thus is the veiling and thus will be the, the harvest rate out of that third density group of people, souls with such veiling. And so, <clears throat> uh, but the way out of the veil is all, always green, blue, indigo. And uh, a humility, a, a balanced humility, 
Uh, I don't know everything. I don't know nothing. I'm not the best. I'm not the worst. And neither are you. And who people and 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 a flexibility, you know, humility equals flexibility, equals a commitment to truth. Actually, I mean, you know, humility as realism. Uh, I I know my position, I know my strengths and uh, my attainment or development. My 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 right, and then I know my uh, lack of development as well. Blind spots, weaknesses, distortions, blockages. Da da da. Very few people can talk that way. Why? Because they they don't want to face the pain. What pain? The pain that they don't like themselves, it seems to me. That there's some real self-loathing. I mean, because damaged sense of self, low self-worth, low self-value, right? That's all it is. Low self-value, low self-worth. It is taken as I. I is this damaged one. I is this broken failure loser one. I is damaged. I is damaged, like that. I is inferior. I is broken. That's very painful, <laughs> no doubt. That's really painful. And, you know, it's no laughing matter. I chuckle, but it's really bitter. It's very bitter. And that's the hell of self-loathing. A lot of people here, it seems, at a deep level, have a smidgen or a dollop or a heavy helping of self-loathing. That down, 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 with the low self-value, low self-value, low self-worth, are sort of uh, statements um, of a very cool assessment, um, assessments, assessment, kind of measurement um, appellations. His sense of his value is low, his sense of his worth is low. What's the emotional? The emotional is not a happy place. There's a lot of grief or a lot of pain, <clears throat> and there's commonly a bit of loathing, self-loathing, anger. It's self-rejection. And so one has got to go below the anger of separation, as Ross said, to the unification of um, grief. Not that grief is unity, but one is less separative or separated or rejecting to self or subconscious stuck in anger. And so <clears throat> the willingness to move out of anger and feel the underlying grief and sorrow and sadness, that's what leads to healing. And when that's not done, being stay stuck in defense mechanisms and cognitive biases and presumptions and assumptions and rigidity and dogmatism and have a sense that their views are completed and the best and the one and only and... Um, this sort of ego inflation, so-called, and ego third chakra blockage. <clears throat> so those are the options. And it's not like the Logos doesn't care about what's going on here. Um, this is an example of the far end of veiling and um, born with two strikes against you, born, meaning a race of souls, a, a 3D cycle <clears throat> of souls incarnation on planet Earth that um, had some essential disadvantages and, and um, burdenings from the start. The number of source planets that gave rise to this collective, the history of those source planets, particularly the history of the solar system, Mars and Moldek, the <clears throat> choice of the body, the ape body, which goes to speech, 
and um, knowing by talking and thinking rather than knowing by internal um, consideration or communication based on speech rather than telepathy and then the tool making which even doubles that um, outward focus of mind and attention uh, <clears throat> the default mode of problem solving being doing, making, changing with the hands with the making, doing of tools and things this uh, over focus on physicality and, and physical behavior and shaping and modifying the environment as the means of problem solving is a huge bias that further leads them to um, not look within. <clears throat> so all of that, well, okay, bub, you got it, boss. You know, not bub, sorry, boss. You you chose it, you got it. Here you go. You know, I hope you're happy, happy with the experiment. <clears throat> so that'll be that, you know, that's what you got here. You made it, you got it. You know, you broke it, you bought it. So <laughs> you veiled it. You bought it. You got it. Now what? Well, not my call. The boss. It's the boss's work. I'm just uh, <laughs> internal affairs. So that'll be it. And I think that'll be the whole of our discussion of the veiled mind <clears throat> in, uh, what, eight parts. And so that's the octave, right? The octave of the veiled mind, which is the, uh, great, the work in the great middle. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth density evolution, particularly two, three, four, five, six chakra working, where mind um, learns to open to itself and be more honest with itself about itself and all mental experience, including belief and sense of identity, and drop Maya increasingly and live by, you know, buddhi, uh, uh, true wisdom, fifth-ray discernment, knowing, uh, holistic knowing. Uh, and, um, you know, return to, uh, return to one. So some go slow, some go quickly. Some collectives harvest greatly, quickly out of three and some can't seem to get out at all <clears throat> and that's what you got here so anyway i hope this has been a helpful long series of pretty esoteric talks on uh, logoic veiling and its consequences and some remedies and the chakra energetics metaphysics of um, unveiling and reflections on the logoic experiment and this 3d world so Thank you for everyone who's been part of that, this work here, and you too. I wish you all well. Next week we might take a break, and um, we'll see where I go after this. So anyway, thank you again. Please take good care of yourselves, and good night. <laughs>